Mindfulness Mode 235. What happens when the mind is still and there's no mind? What's left? Love. <laughs> Love is left. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Langford. Thanks again for joining me here, Mindful Tribe. Last time I talked with a drug dealer, a bank robber, a criminal. Well, that was years ago, and now he's a speaker, an author, and a meditator. He's even created a system of meditation called Viquello. You might want to go back and check out mindfulnessmode.com slash 234, where I interview Antar, the navigator. Well, you know, I created a Calm Your Busy Mind infographic just for you to thank you for listening. You can download it for free. It helps you focus on breathing, exercise, and mantras. You can get your copy at mindfulnessmode.com slash calm c-a-l-m today i am with a giant a giant in business consulting and coaching that is he's worked with top companies in europe his level of mindfulness and awareness is way up there sit back relax and enjoy today's interview with the fantastic timothy carroll Hey, Mindful Tribe. Today, I have an amazing guest with me, Timothy Carroll. I'm so excited. Hey, Timothy, are you in mindfulness mode? Oh, yeah. Great stuff. Thanks for uh, inviting me to be on the show. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Timothy. Timothy Carroll is a leadership expert who, through his study of cognitive behavior sciences and psychology, has equipped himself to coach high-level achievers. Also a successful athlete, at only 16 years old, he represented New Zealand at four world championships as a barefoot water skier. Later, in 2008, he participated as a performance coach at the Beijing Olympics for a Swedish equestrian riding event. Through his elite coaching, Timothy has helped top companies in Europe greatly boost their bottom line, including Schneider Electric Group, Kuwaiti National Petroleum Company, Yellow Pages. In spite of all these successes, Timothy is down-to-earth, gentle, and generous in his desire to share his amazing wisdom. So we're here to do that. I'm so excited. So, Timothy, let's start with this. What does mindfulness mean to you? Well, to me, mindfulness is yeah, really about being empty of any mind. And so I, I like to use the word mind, uh, mind emptiness <laughs> or no mind. And, um, and for me, it's about being super present. Uh, that's something that is super important to me, um, especially when I was an athlete. And we have learned as athletes that you know, the more present you are, the, the better you perform. And to be able to park that mind of yours and leave it on uh, outside the court or off the pitch or on the side of the, the river, um, you know, is, is the key to success. And that's any athlete's dream is to learn how to switch off that mind and, and learn to come into the, into the present moment. So where do you start with that? Where do you start when you start helping someone to learn to do that? Well, what I do with my clients is to introduce them to that. I, I talk to them about being just being, 
the, the fact is, is, is that we're not human doings, we're human beings. And, and we constantly are doing, doing, doing and over, over years and years. And we build this um, internal turbulence. So very often when I, I talk to my clients about uh, taking the time to just be and challenging them to just sit and be and do nothing but be present with their breath, they find that extremely difficult sit for even five minutes. So um, the first thing I do is, is I, I, I talk to people about um, literally training your neurology, training your nervous system to uh, be still. And it's something that we typically only do when sleeping, but uh, to be able to, to do it regularly uh, on a consistent basis uh, and practice being, just being, um, as I call it, um, and stopping minding or, or doing mind is, is uh, a, a great skill. And that's what, what I first teach um, executives, athletes, etc. When, when, you know, when we begin. Well, let's go back to when you were a young child. Did you have that kind of focus back then? Were you an athlete as a child? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in New Zealand, um, playing rugby, as all kids do, running around in bare feet with a plastic ball when I was five. And uh, my dad was um, the founder of the New Zealand, you know, one of, one of the founders of the New Zealand Barefoot Water Ski Club. And so I grew up in a sporty family and uh, one of two brothers, so it was also competitive. And uh, yeah, so sport really led me into a journey of self-discovery because it was through my sport that I learned about how I work as a, as a human being. I had an experience one time where, you know, I realized I, I was training physically, I was training technically, I was training tactically, and it didn't matter how much um, of that training was going on, my performance wasn't getting any better. So, so I, uh, I looked into sport, sports psychology and I humbly went and met a sports psychologist in New Zealand who volunteered to work with me when I was just 19 years of age. And um, that was the beginning to understanding the inner game of sport or the inner game of life. And uh, yeah, it woke me up to um, that there's other ways to get results, not just hard work, but also working on, on your inner game and, and, and on yourself, uh, etc. So when did you transition to the point where you started helping people in business? Well, that happened for me when I decided to leave the sporting world. Um, I mean, before, you know, I used to work in Australia for the number one personal development company down there who was promoting some of the world's greatest personal development authors, um, success authors, people like uh, Tony Robbins and um, Dr. Deepak Chopra, just to name a few. And so I was in Sydney, you know, really getting exposure to some of the, the, the best minds in the world and um, training for world championships and, and trying to improve myself as an athlete. And I ended up retiring in 1998. Yeah, it was 1998 uh, at the age of 20, 28 years of age um, and decided that I wanted to give back to what I had learned 
about sport and about success, some of the, success, the, the secrets of success in life, I could say. And so I started my company and um, tra- you know, had trained in cognitive behavioral sciences and self-actualizing psychology and started working with individuals and athletes and then over the years built up um, the, the, uh, the business to working with top-end leaders in multinational companies around the world and as a consultant, consulting to, to Fortune 500 companies. And do you advocate the use of meditation? Totally. Absolutely. It's, it's, I think in this modern day and world where everything is go, 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 um, there's so much happening that we lose ourselves to uh, what's really important, and and that is to be uh, to be present and to master our mind. We're not taught in school, and we're certainly not taught by our parents, unless we're super lucky to have very aware, conscious parents um, about how to master the mind. And therefore, most people that are living on the planet, their mind is mastering them. And uh, I have a, a saying, you know, who's driving the bus? Are you driving the bus or is the bus driving you? And, and uh, so the, the point is, is how can you get back in charge? How can you get understand how you work as a human being um, and learn those skills uh, so that you can get the best out of your life and get the best out of yourself as, as a person and in any role that you play, whether it be a mum or dad or um, a top end leader of a company or an athlete or or um, a, a son or a daughter. So um, the skills that that we we teach at Carol Consultancy Group are all about you know empowering people to be all that they can be and helping them to perform to the best of their ability. And a big part of that is learning how to switch off the mind and become super present right here, right now. So is journaling also a part of this? Is this the second step? Journaling, I, I teach journaling um, for a couple of reasons. One is, is to be, help people to become more conscious, um, of what's going on inside. So journaling is excellent to, to track, uh, your thinking and feeling processes to help you become a more aware of your, what's going on inside of you. We're so aware of what's going on outside of us, but we're not really aware of what's going on inside. And so it, it helps us to turn the focus back inside uh, it's also good for executives who, who want to improve their time, improve their leadership of themselves and therefore get better use of their time and become more effective and productive. I also support, you know, ask them to track their time in their calendar um, or track their meditation experience. So when are they sitting? How long do they sit for? What's their experience when they sit? Um, what benefits do they have uh, on a, on a weekly basis? So, uh, or on a daily basis. So, Measuring you you can't manage what you don't measure. So journaling is excellent for measuring yourself and what's going on for yourself So how do you help them get into a deeper state of meditation? Yeah, the the monkey mind is the the key is the the one to overcome so the first thing, you know, there's there's five steps that that I teach when when uh, teaching people to just be and the first one is really to choose a schedule of when to do it and to have a place to dedicate yourself to go and be in where you know that you're not going to be disturbed, where 
you feel comfortable where you can sit in a, in, in a place and, and just take the time to be. So I recommend people to uh, sit in the morning and in the evening for a minimum of 20 minutes to gain the maximum benefit. That's science's uh, reference of, of how long it takes to gain the benefits of, of meditation. Um, use your cell phone as a timer and you can just put it on a countdown. The, not, the second thing is to make sure that you find a quiet place with no distractions. The third thing is to sit on a chair up straight rather than lying down on the ground. Um, the fourth thing is, is really to uh, center yourself. And that, that means I, I suggest taking three deep breaths in through your nose and out through your nose. Um, putting your hand on your belly and fee, feel, feeling your belly rise as you breathe in. So you're, you're belly breathing. Breathe all the way into your chest and then out and do that three times. If you do that three times, your mind will become super flatlined very quickly. It's an it's a Eastern breathing technique called pranayama breathing from India. Um, and then all you do is after those three breaths is, is that you breathe normally in and out through your nose and you just pay attention to your, your breath moving in and out through your nose. And what, what will happen though is, is that you will drift off into the future in your mind or you'll drift off into the past. And the key is, is that the, the awareness that is you it, it, is to catch yourself in your thoughts and then bring yourself back to breathing and focusing on your breath. And I recommend doing it with your eyes closed at the start to, to get your, yourself focused and present. Um, and then really there's, there's three experiences that can happen. One, you go off, you fall asleep, which happens with a lot of people who are stressed um, because they're not sleeping well, they're not getting enough sleep. So that just means it's just feedback. The nervous system's catching up on, on sleep. The second thing is, is that you can have a lot of mental activity and that means that your mind and neurology is dumping stress. So if you sit for 20 minutes and you have a lot of activity in your mind and you're constantly moving from your mind back to your breath, from your mind back to your breath, that means that you've dumped a lot of stress that, in that, through that session which is very healthy because the number one health issue on the planet right now is stress, which causes all the major Western diseases. Um, and then the third one is, is that you have a still mind. You have this place of no mind, which is quite lovely. It's not to become attached to the place of having a still mind, but it's really to accept all the things that happen in that time and just allow them to happen there's no goal, there's no mission. All you're doing is just taking the time to just be and allow whatever happens to happen. Your responsibility is to just focus on your breath and if you get lost in your thoughts, come back to it. That's all your, your uh, responsibility is to do. So you have helped a lot of top-level companies. What are some of the biggest issues that they have that is holding them back? Work-life balance. No doubt, Bruce, that is a huge, huge problem in, uh, in life for, for executive leaders. How do they uh, live a life that's in balance? How do they juggle all of their responsibilities in their career as well as the responsibilities they have in their private life and in their fa family life and in their social life, etc.? So one, I would say uh, work-life is, is a big issue. The other one is, is um, 
leadership, how do they get the best out of it? How do they lead themselves uh, effectively and get the best out of themselves and the best out of their people? So a lot of leaders that I've met are very good ma managers, means that they're good at getting things done and um, they, they have a, an MBA and they're good at the figures in the company, but they're not good leaders. They're not good at um, really understanding how human beings work. They haven't learned how to be a practical psychologist. And the truth is we're, you know, we, we might be in the energy business or the car manufacturing business or the tourism industry, um, and, but we're all in the people business. And, uh, and the thing is, is that leaders are spending not enough time on learning how human beings work. So they, they don't know how to get the best out of themselves and they don't know how to get the best out of others. And they're wondering why they're not, they're having challenges with their leadership capability. So leaders are coming to me because they're more transactional leaders and they want to move and become transformational and evolutionary leaders, but they don't know how. So we help them to bridge that gap and, and growth gap where they, they, they jump and learn and upgrade their skills and, and work on themselves to um, develop their leadership capability. Right. And so you get those those leaders helping the teams to work together successfully and, and to relate to each other in such a way that they want to help each other. Is that right? How do you get them working together more successfully? Yeah, um, working together, you know, there's, there's a great guy uh, from the States. His name's Phil Jackson. And uh, Phil is the number one successful basketball coach on the planet. He, he has 11 NBA rings. He's won one uh, himself as a player and 10 as a coach. And um, Phil was a master at uniting people together. And the, the key around that is to not do it through force, but to do it through um, faci facilitation of um, facilitation of, of the group through, through doing less, basically. So allow the dynamic of the group to actually uh, sort itself out. He, he was famous for stepping back from the group and letting the group sort itself out um, and allowing the, the energies of the group to come into balance rather than going in there and forcing it and making it uh, the way that he wanted it to be. Um, he had a, a Taoist principle around that, a, a Taoist strategy where, uh, yeah, th there's a principle called non-interference. When you allow, allow life, life self-organizes itself. So when you allow a, a group dynamic to organize themselves, uh, and then you're, you're facilitating that and you're, you're allowing it to organize itself, that's one way of doing it. But the key around there is there's a common vision, a common goal. And in the case of basketball, it is to win the NBA title. It is to be the best team that we can be. And so companies need to have a purpose. They need to have a big why. You know, why do we exist? What, what, what is the big why for us? They need to have a vision. Where do we want to take this company in the next three to five years? They need to have principles. You know, what is the, the principles that we operate in? 
on what is it that that is uh, our common language, you could say, and then let let the group self-organize. Leadership is is not so much about forcing things; it's more about stepping back and and allowing it to to transform itself. Right. Right. And as far as stepping back, I know that after working in bullying prevention for nearly a decade, sometimes that's what we have to do in that arena as well, very carefully. Can Do you have a story about bullying where, you know, mindfulness would have made a difference? Um, yeah, like, for sure. I think, you know, mindfulness to me is, you know, meditation is is something that you practice um, sitting down um, and it's typically in that way. And, and if you look at mindfulness, to me, mindfulness is really around taking that into every moment so that you practice being super present in, in every moment, not just when you're sitting for 20 minutes in the morning or in the evening, but you're actually being right here, right now, in, in every in every possible moment that you can be and um so um yeah i think bullying for me is is a big issue it, it's an ego based problem um and our you know ego is our you know the part of us which is uh, which develops, you know, we're pretty egoless when we're born. <laughs> yes. And then we, we develop this mind and self image and um, judgments and uh, et cetera. So, you know, ego, I heard ego, Dr. Deepak Chopra says ego stands for edging God out. And when, when we're stuck in our ego, it's very easy for us to point the finger at someone else and project, you know, in psychology, we talk about projection project our unresolved issues upon others or if we're a young kid, you know, and we're being um, bullied at home, then we, we imitate that and we take that out on kids at school. Um, so I think mindfulness is a huge support for, for people to step out of their ego and to be able to become aware of their feelings and to breathe through those feelings when they come up, and instead of projecting those feelings onto someone, to re and and you know hurting that other person, uh, really being able to take full responsibility for what is coming up within that person, and then br breathe through those feelings because you know an emotion always has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and when those emotions come up, you breathe through them, and allow the energy of the. Uh, the, the, of the emotion, energy and motion, emotion to, to move through you. Right. So, um, yeah, if I had learned that when I was younger, there's plenty of times I can tell you, you know, growing up in an all boys Catholic school in Wellington in New Zealand where, you know, kids are mean and we, we can see how mean kids can be. So there's plenty of times where, uh, I've been bullied in the past uh, where I would have, benefited from how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the emotions that come up from that? And, um, and, you know, and definitely people who have chosen to bully or be authoritative or force themselves upon, uh, other kids would benefit from that too, because what happens when the mind is still and there's no mind, what's left? Love, <laughs> love is left. And so when you can help that child to be, mindful 
there's a there's a great saying uh, from from Persia: if you are mindful, then you will be able to have good thoughts, good words, and good deeds or good actions. And I think that's that's what we we need to do mindfulness and meditation to help people to go aside. And what's left is love, and what is left is is an expression of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Yeah, I, I really like the way you've put that, and that's exactly what I teach when I work with those who have been bullied, because that leaves behind, like you say, the element of love, and that's very well described. Now, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. The first one, Timothy, is this. Who's one person who has influenced your mindfulness in your life? Wow. Well, I, I would have to say that would be Dr. Deepak Chopra. He he is the, the the guy who started me off on that path when I think I was like 18 years of age. I picked up one of his books, a prolific author, doctor, scientist, um, and neuro, psycho neuroimmunologist. Uh, but basically, he wrote a book called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I think when I was like 18, 19, early in my life, I picked up that book. And that started me off on the path of understanding more about how I work uh, as a person and um, how I can master my mind. And uh, yeah, so I would say he's probably been the greatest influence on me uh, and my level of mindfulness. I learned, I learned primordial sound meditation back in 96 when, uh, when I started promoting him in Sydney. So Timothy, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Well, I think, I think mindfulness has helped me, one, to be a much happier and more fulfilled person. So um, I've, I've learned to uh, really get on top of, of my mind and, and, and steer my mind. And, and uh, I'm aware of my thinking process and, and I'm able to step back from that and not get caught up in all of those thoughts that come up inside. So... My focus is, is on the gap between those thoughts. You know, I have a good, a good friend of mine um, who's the world record holder in freediving, and he holds the world record in, the, in diving down well, 120 meters uh, just on one breath of air. And I said to him, I said, hey, what, what, are you, what are you thinking about? You know, what's your experience when you're diving down that deep? And he said, well, you know, I have this little – devil on my shoulder that comes up and, and thoughts come in, you know, when I'm on this, that, hey, you know, this could be the last bit you take. Or when I'm diving, mind will tell me, hey, turn around, you're going to die. And, um, and I don't pay attention to that anymore because it doesn't serve me to dive deep into the ocean. So, out of curiosity, what are you paying attention to? And he said, I'm paying attention to the silence between those thoughts. And the deeper that I dive into that silence, the deeper that I dive into the ocean. And that, that's my experience as well as an athlete. Uh, and when interviewing other athletes, you know, what, what were you thinking about when you broke that world record or when you broke that personal best? They all say I was thinking nothing. And so the is happiness is found when the mind is still, then you've got to make that the number one thing in your life to, to learn how to still your mind and um, get out of the way of yourself. 
Well, that's really something important is getting out of the way of yourself. And that's what we what we constantly work on practicing with mindfulness, that's for sure. Well, you've talked about breathing quite a bit. Could you recommend a book related to mindfulness that could help our listeners? Well, I think I recommended the book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. He actually teaches the process of meditation, which is very similar to the way that I've described it. Um, But also, uh, I would recommend my own book, which is uh, The Evolutionary Leader, Five Steps to Dramatically Develop People in Performance, uh, which is sold on Amazon.com or Amazon.co.uk. And in here on chapter chapter number four and five, which is how to perform out of your mind, and chapter five is presence equals performance, I dive deep in there around how do you um, be more mindful, how do you practice meditation, how do you learn to be present uh, as a leader or as a person. So I recommend uh, getting hold of that book as well. Yes, and I would too. The Evolutionary Leader, Mindful Tribe. Order that book because that is a very powerful book that you can use to help get yourself on track. And I know that you can that you can find Timothy Carroll on Twitter at Self Insight. Yep. Self Insight. But tell us where else we can connect with you, Timothy. So Facebook, you can get me at uh, Timothy Carroll, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. I also have a Facebook page, Timothy J. Carroll. My website is packed with uh, free information that you can download on there. Um, and that's carrollconsultancy.com. Um, there's, there's also LinkedIn. And if you go to linkedin.com forward slash in, forward slash Timothy Carroll, you'll get to see uh, my profile there as well. I'm happy to connect uh, on all of those, um, uh, all of those, uh, also social media is at the bottom of our website, carrollconsultancy.com. And Carroll is spelled uh, two R's and two L's. Right. Carol is spelled with two R's and two L's, C-A-R-R-O-L-L. So, Timothy, I want to thank you very much for being on the show today and sharing so much wisdom. We really appreciate you being here. No, my pleasure, and thank you for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, this is something we could talk about for for a long time, Bruce, but we've, yes, we've got we a short, short time together, and I look forward to, uh, to really um, continuing um, – to uh, connect with you on a regular basis. Thank you so much. All the best and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for the opportunity, Bruce. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.